This is the Shotgun City Sheriff, the law himself, Clayton Clark. This is the young titan, Aaron Atlas. Hey, uh, this is Matt Brannigan. This is the warbound hellhound, Bo Sword. This is your favorite drunken pro wrestler, a.k.a. the Bud Light brawler, Dalton Davis. This is Lizzie Six. This is Jake Something. And this is the jaw-jacking, back-cracking, God-created-all-men-equal, and then he made me the sequel, Rohit Raju, and you are listening to the Spot Show Podcast. Spot Show Podcast. The Spot Show Podcast. The Spot Show Podcast. Spot Show Podcast. Hell yeah. The Spot Show Podcast. The Spot Show Podcast. Yes, right. I stuttered. Shut up. Well, everybody, this is the one-legged wonder Michael Madrox, and you were listening to the Spot Show Podcast. Wait, things sound a little different, don't they? (laughs) My uh, co-host, Dickie Wabash, isn't with me today. What? But I do have a special guest. You might hear him back there mumbling and laughing. I have the director and the creative <laughs> genius of Danville Dreamers with me. Oh, Dickie boy. Wabash. Yeah, that's me. This is weird. I took over, bro. This is weird. I'm sitting in your spot and you're sitting in my spot. Yeah. Because we wanted <laughs> and I just to did the thing. stop with the yeah. I just did the thing. Because we uh we wanted to do this little deep dive on Danville Dreamers and I was like it would make more sense if you hosted, so Congratulations, Michael Madrox has uh, has taken the reins of the Spot Show podcast. And this is when the viewership increases. Well, no, this is when my anxiety increases because I'm such a control freak that I'm sitting back here and I can't see anything. I'm just sitting here with a microphone in my hand and I'm like, oh, so this is what it's like. You know what you could be sitting in there with your hand? What's that? A Yoohoo. Oh. Because this Spot Show podcast is sponsored by a Yoohoo <laughs> and Hybrid Championship Wrestling, but you'll hear more about them later. That is, of course, <laughs> unless you go to patreon.com backslash Mad Bash Studios and subscribe at the $5 and above tier. But hey, money might be tight. You know what happens with money's tight? We consider that hot times, baby. And all you have to do to support us is give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting stream or head over to patreon.com and buy one of the tiers. We do have a free tier with behind-the-scenes content. The $5 tier, you get the uh, Spot Show podcast a day early. At least you get... I don't even remember what you get with all this stuff. Look, come on, man. Look, I'm almost there, bro. You're almost there. Almost you were there. in the home stretch, and then you fumbled it. Yeah, I got the third base. <laughs> yeah, you did, and then you got struck out. Uh, you're close, though. Close, I'm though. close. Yeah, they, they get this uh, episode completely ad-free and at least 24 hours early. See, it's so much weirder, like, doing it myself, because I'm used to, like, just listening to you do it with, like, no notes, no nothing. Look, I mean, it's just, it's putting in those reps, brother. That's not a part of my resume yet. No, not we'll get, yet. I'll just take over more often. You'll get there one day. You'll get there one day. I'm grizzled, brother. I'm 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 a grizzled podcast host. You know what I mean? Yeah, but enough about us. Let's talk about you. Oh, enough about you. Let's talk about you. <laughs> That's how we got to be over here, man. I know. So, sir, I went professional mode. Yeah, I, I have been prepping for this podcast for a couple days now. Yeah, because I had this idea to do this because, you know, Danville Dreamers 2 is out. Everyone's seen it that uh, has wanted to see it. Um, views are still skyrocketing like every time i check it it's gone up a lot um the views are amazing me right now yeah uh i'm trying to remember like the trajectory of what the view count was when the first one came out um i think it's following the same trajectory um and like here's the thing in like the grand scheme of 
of YouTube views. Like they're not world ending in any way, you know, they're not like groundbreaking, but I mean, they're still pretty impressive considering, you know, especially since the movie has been out for like 48 hours and within like normally an hour time, which is the length of the movie, the views like increased by like 10 up. Yeah. I've been watching it. And there was a leak. So the views went up a little bit, but hey, stuff happens. Yeah. But for those that don't know, like, Dickie, you've always been creative. Yeah. Like, when did you actually start to appreciate the entertainment industry? I don't know. I feel like I always did to a certain degree because, like, I like e- even if you go back, like, in middle school and shit like that, like, I was constantly just writing scripts or just writing ideas and I I didn't have the means to do it, but like because you know, you gotta think that's early internet. That's early that's YouTube. Pre-internet. That's like that's... well I mean it's still I mean but it, it's it's primordial compared to what we have now. So like the means of content create for, first of all, the term content creation was not even a thing. But I had a couple buddies and we would do, you know, I think all all of us did the jackass thing at some point where we made jackass movies. And I think that it was early on in that process of doing those that I was like, yeah, you know, I could maybe, you know, I could maybe see myself in the director's chair or something like that. You know what I mean? Do you have any of those old notebooks? No, no, I don't. I'm sure I do somewhere. Those would be worth money now. Well, I wouldn't (laughs) put that, but, um, no, and I, I don't have any, like we talked about this, like I don't have any of that footage either, like whether it be with Backyard Wrestling or with uh, the creative stuff that I did back then. I don't have any of that footage. Backing up items wasn't a thing back then. No, well, I mean, uh, you also, I mean, God, you got to look at it too. Like cameras were not necessarily as affordable. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, they were, but um you know, we didn't have them in our pockets like we do all the time now. So, and in a way, it's kind of a good thing because, I mean, it's it's a double-edged sword because it's like, do you really want to go back and look at that stuff? Like, or do, it's like, do you want to have it or do you not? I, I don't know. It's I really wish weird. I would have had all that stuff still. I know. Like, I remember whenever flip cams first came out and I was like, yeah, man, little mini camera that I can carry around with me. It was groundbreaking. It, man. it was. And then literally a year later, smartphones started having cameras on them. So it destroyed their entire business model. Yeah. But the flip cams had a higher graphics rate than the first VGA phones. Hey, uh, flip cam is what filmed like 90% of UWC online. Little fun facts key there for you. Behind the scenes Yep. But like looking back at like you being creative back then and like thinking about being like a content creator, like flash forward, did you ever think that you would have three film credits under your name currently? Uh, what's the third? The Wabash cut, man. You can't take that. Oh, out of okay. Yeah. Repertoire. If you want to consider that. I consider that. I don't know, man. I mean... I remember it was like fourth grade. It was like fourth or fifth grade. Uh, The teacher did this thing at the end of the year um, where she was like, what I'm going to remember my students by. And I, I remember she said that she's always going to remember me by my creativity. Shout out to Mrs. Curley. Um, 
And she always told me, she said, Josh, one day I'm going to be in a movie and I'm going to be seeing the credits and I'm going to see directed by Josh Thomas. And I guess from that point on, it gave me a complex <laughs> or something. I don't know. So that's where the narcissism started. Yeah, no, I mean, we all got a little bit of narcissism in us, you know what I mean? But um, so to answer that, like the lo- like the, sh- the simple answer is, I mean, I feel like it's 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 kind of pretentious to say, yeah, I knew I would. But I mean, did I? I mean, I don't know. Like I, you know, I'm just a kid from a little small town in Indiana. Like I didn't know how the hell to make any of that happen. You know, like I but I, I that has always stuck with me that my my fourth grade teacher told me that I just imagine one day I'm going to be sitting in a movie theater and see your name. In the credits. Miss Curly was also my fourth grade teacher. Oh, hell yeah. Yes. So, so she she knows what's up. Yeah. Little did she know like you and I would be working together probably. I guarantee someone somewhere down the line saw us in her Stone Cold Steve Austin shirts and we're like, yeah. I never had a Stone Cold Steve Austin really? shirt. I never had an Austin 316 shirt, no. I had my my main wrestling shirt when I was a kid was the um was the DDP diamond cutter shirt. Ah, uh, yeah. The bang one. The, oh yeah with the like the shattered on the yeah. front yeah man i never had an austin 316 shirt and i hate it all right well let's i uh, never had one let's start cutting into the dan bill dreamer series here okay because i got a lot of good questions for you so this first one so so this you're going to be asking about one and two yeah and all of it okay. all of them man let's go let's go i, I got you i can't prepare. are you going to be asking about the future of it i'm assuming probably just set back relax okay okay big daddy magic i don't like not lead. being in control jesus this it's is scary, weird. ain't it? I don't. Well, especially for me, because like I'm always the one that's in control. And it's like, if that makes me sound like a control freak, sincerely, I apologize. But it's just it's that weird manic OCD thing about me where if I don't have my hand on it, it's like, uh, hey, dude, I ran a podcast back in 2017 and didn't get canceled. So I think we'll be OK. <sighs> All right. So with the original Danville Dreamers. Yeah. Walk me through exactly what went into play before filming started. Like what set everything in motion for this documentary to happen? I really don't know. I don't know. Um, Way to shit on my question. My, my, I guess I, I, I can answer it like this. My earliest memory of seeing NVW was because it all kind of ties in together. There was this, uh, 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 this security guard, who would come to UWC shows in Georgetown. And I remember Jason V telling me, and again, I'm, this is probably not accurate, but it's how I remember it. Remember Jason V telling me, you should look this dude up. He does backyard wrestling because Jason V knew that I was obsessed with backyard wrestling. He's like, you need to check these guys out. And then like Oliver Kane said in the second movie, he's like, you know, we all traded the tapes around and we all did what we did. And then I remember, I, I don't remember, I, I'm pretty sure it was me uh, that was the one that initially proposed it, but I remember the initial conversation of telling V, this was after like a couple of years of watching NVW backyard stuff. I was like, man, and 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 this might bury the lead on one of your questions, I'm assuming, because you're probably going to ask about Inspirate whatever, but I remember watching Heroes of Burke County and $5 Wrestling, and I'm like, ooh. I could do something like that with these guys because so, you know, we do 
Element OP on the Patreon. And one of the early incarnations of that was Mark Vandy and I uh, were getting backyard matches and we were doing commentary over them. It never saw the light of day. It was I, bargain bin, wasn't it? It was bargain bin wrestling, yes. And so I had always had that thought in the back of my mind of like, yeah, I really want to make this happen. And then um, one thing led to another. And I, I wish that I had a more straightforward answer for you. I really do. But I genuinely do not remember the exact process that went into making the first one. I, I just remember showing up and being like, in a weird way, starstruck. Because it's like, dude, I've watched this backyard so many times on these tapes, and now I'm here. This is awesome. But, dude, two questions in. How am I doing? You're doing good. You're doing good. It, it Professional Madrox is a little uncomfortable for me. <laughs> it's very off-putting. Do you remember any of the process of filming that day? Like, what you went there to, like, the idea that was set forward? Like, I know I want to film this. I know I want to film that. I know I don't want to cover this. I had three things that I absolutely wanted to film that day. It was Joker 13, Big Bubba J, and this other wrestler that was there named uh, Outlaw was his name. And they were all three or no, sorry, two of them were there. But the third uh, that Outlaw was not. And um I'm not going to get into it, but there was like apparently there was like real problems or something is why he wasn't there. But um so that that was a little bit disheartening, but then I but then I was like, man, Big Bubba J's here. Joker 13's here. It is what it is. And I also remember there being a little bit of a controversy that day because I don't necessarily remember who the person was. It wasn't someone that was in Danville Dreamers. Just kind of looking, just eyeballing me and just being like, and I'm not trying to like cave. I genuinely don't remember who it was. Just kind of eyeballing me, being like, what's this? Just didn't want you there at all. Yeah, just kind of like, what's this guy's motive? You know what I mean? Kind of like you're doing me in the hot seat. Pretty much. <laughs> so you already discovered, like, we talked about the flip cam. Was that what this movie was filmed on? No. No, no it was filmed on. Um, so after uh, all of the equipment that was used on that day was uh, U- UWC stuff. I think I exaggerated like 90. It was like for a while, UWC was filmed on a flip cam. Um, and then they ended up getting like an actual camcorder. Yeah, we were actually, no, I wouldn't even call it. It was literally just a camcorder. Oh, it was literally just it wasn't like what we use, like a DSLR or anything like that, which you see a lot of. It was literally and I'm not knocking anyone because there's some good camcorders out there. Um. But it was just straight up a camcorder. And their camcorder was a lot better than half the independent wrestling scenes of the time. Exactly. And then um, the little gimmick that I'm holding for the audio, that was the commentary recorder that Jason V would use for UWC. It was like like a little like memo recorder that like, you know, have you ever been to the doctor and like they'll be, it's kind of pretentious. Taking their notes. They'll have the... uh, Patient is showing blah 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 like that. Yeah, that's that's what it was. A little audio scribe, basically. I've only been to one doctor that ever used that, and it was so weird, so weird. Did he ask you for an interview? No, no. And then he asked me why I do backyard wrestling. I mean, you already kind of touched base with this, but like, was anyone like uncomfortable with you being there? Did not want on camera? 
So I, 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 I told them, I was like, Hey, listen, here's the thing. You don't want to be on camera. You do not have to be on camera. You don't have to be I was like, here's why I'm here. You know, um, to my, no one actually came up to me and specifically requested to not be on camera. So if there were people, I do remember getting some eyes. I do remember getting a few eyes and on like good on them. You know, they're, they're, they're protective. It makes sense. I can understand why they would be a little bit leery of this guy just showing up with a camera and being like, because that was your first show too. So it was the first time I'd ever been. No, yeah. They knew nothing about you, but see, they, they knew V because he had the we the show before or two shows before whatever had rented them the ring. So he, they knew him and they trusted him. So it was kind of one of those things of like, this guy's with me, you know? Yeah. Um, so you had no heat at the time. No, there wasn't any heat. No, that's surprising in that era. Dickie Wabash. I know. Well, no, actually, I, I was out of the business at the time of the first filming. I, really. I wasn't in the wrestling business anymore. So can't say that I had heat or anything, I guess. You ready for a hard question? I mean, you've been throwing me softballs, brother. Let's go. Let's see, bro. What's the biggest regret you have from the first movie? That's a good question. Um, we talked about this a little bit with um with v um at first my biggest regret was putting their mom in the documentary because i was still looking at the haha side of it and she brought she didn't bring any comedy to the table i just felt bad like man um didn't really feel the tone of the movie you it, had in mind. It didn't, but ultimately, it's one of the best parts of that whole documentary. It is. Is talking to her. So that, I would have told you probably six months ago that that was my biggest regret. Nowhere near my biggest regret. I, I don't particularly know if I have one. I mean, I... <laughs> okay, so it, it's not... <laughs> There's two. Okay, there there are two regrets. <laughs> there are two. Um, there was a moment where <laughs> I've never talked about this. Uh, I've told people about this, but I've never breaking news. But I've maybe. never talked about it publicly. Uh, I don't think I've ever talked about both either one of these. Um, so we're there, and I had just gotten done filming with um, with. Uh, uh, franchise and Mr. Six. I had just gotten done filming with them. And um, <laughs> this guy just rolls up and he just starts yelling. Why aren't the fucking mats set up? Why don't we have any of this set up? Come on guys. And he's just cracking the whip. And for any of you guys that have seen that, which Come on, you've probably seen it if you're listening to this. Ow, I just banged my elbow on the door. Is that what it's like sitting in this spot? Yeah, I hate it. You got to worry about hitting your you elbow You got to worry about hitting Nixie Carter, hitting the I, door. I but he's the guy that um, at the end of the movie, whenever Joker 13 won the belt, and he comes out with Joker, and he they both hold the belts up, it, it was that guy. I apologize. Don't know who he is. It is what it is. But he just shows up and just fucking alphas everybody. 
And I'm just and I didn't I didn't film it. And I thought it would have been really funny to film to like see the process of like what set up and the Oh dude, it was fucking hilarious. It was so funny. And then my second regret, which I get it, is uh Joker thirteen got a concussion in that match. Oh really? Yeah. And I remember because, you know, I filmed the closing with Franchise and Tina, um, Mama Tina, and I run to the back and Joker 13's got his head back with like blood like coming out of his nose and his eyes like aren't fixating. They're like shining the light and everything. And I'm like, I'm this is how I remember it. I'm like lifting the camera up to get ready to film. And they're like, no, don't don't film this. But. So I, I mean, in a way I like respected their wishes, but it's a regret of like, damn, that would have been really good to have on camera. I know one more regret. Well, we've personally talked about was that the neighbors you wanted to interview the neighbors. Oh the yeah. I did want to interview the neighbors. I did. Um, because, and I mean this with no disrespect in the slightest. These motherfuckers are out here with the fucking sound system every weekend playing music, talking into the microphone, throwing against the neighbor's garage. So I would just like to see what the neighbors like their opinion was. Yeah. Like how, how, how do you guys uh, put up with what these guys are doing? You know? All right. But now we're six years out from the first movie, Uh, which is a, which is a lie. Actually, I mathed wrong. We're actually actually seven, seven years. Yeah. in the entire, that's a, I'm so mad at myself. We're in first grade now, brother. Yeah. In in the second movie, I keep saying six years, but it's technically seven. But looking back, yeah, is there anything you would have changed about the movie, like the editing style, footage you used, didn't use? No, no, I don't think I would. Um, I think that it. I don't know. I mean that that is a tough question because like, it's. It's the proverbial, if you could George Lucas, your content, would you? Because, you know, George Lucas it gets shit on because, like, he went back and edited the Star Wars movies so fucking much. So fucking much. And he had no one to tell him not to do it. So now it's to the point of where you look at, like, the original Star Wars movies and they're so CGI'd to death. Um, So... I'm glad that I don't have the ability to do that because I feel like that it would probably ruin the, not to say that George Lucas ruined the integrity of star Wars, but I feel like that if I would have done that, it probably would have, uh, kind of ruined the integrity that the the whole organic factor of the whole documentary. Yeah. Nothing in that movie was set up. It was all organic before I left my house today. I did do some research and check the view count for the yeah. first movie. How does it feel making you know there's over sixteen or sixteen hundred views currently on this movie? Um, because in the second movie you said it was just a dumb, stupid little documentary, and now it's seen by almost two thousand people. Which, again, grand scheme of things, I'm 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 realistic enough to look at that and be like. Uh, what's 2000 almost, you know, compared that's to, a big deal for it, it, no promotion, no nothing, just 
throw it up on YouTube. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, it feels good. It's the. I'm trying to remember the timeline here. It's either the first or second thing that I have ever put online that got over a thousand views. The first thing. Let me think here. When was the Ronald McDonald video? Um, that might have been around the same time. It point being, I um when I was doing my YouTube channel, um, I did uh I I, I did a video over um the wacky adventures of Ronald McDonald, the uh, cartoon series, yeah. which I ironically just shared something about on my Facebook today. Um, and it got to like, I think 1300 views. And that, that was the first time I broke a thousand on a video. And then Danville dreamers was the first or the second. And, um, to quote, <laughs> to, to quote franchise from the second movie, it makes me feel vindicated, you know, that maybe I am onto something here, you know, you how's know, it, how's it feel knowing that like we came back to independent wrestling this past january and people are talking about the first movie still um like people that had no idea who the hell we were they're like oh my god you're the danville dreamers guy well it goes back to the person replying to a comment uh oh my god it's you um because there there was a resurgence of the first documentary about a year ago if i i i think and um, I've had plenty of conversations with the people, uh, that were responsible for that resurgence, um, or some of the people that were responsible. For, I know Dalton Davis was responsible for the resurgence, uh, part of it. His, he had part in it cause he shared it with a bunch of people. Um, I've talked to Dylan Cole about it. I've talked to don't die miles about it. Um, I've, I've talked to their whole little group about it and, um, Everyone loves it, and um, I, I've i always been the type of guy that if you want to label me as the X guy, then go right ahead. If you want to call me the Danville Dreamers guy, more power to you. If that's what you want to remember me as, that's not a bad legacy to leave behind. Right, so not. it feels pretty good to be like, to be recognized with it and to be like, ah, that's the Danville dreamers guy. It's really became a Midwest cult classic in a way. Yeah, it has. I agree. The Wabash cut, which is what? Four hours, <laughs> uh, four and hours and 44 minutes, which was a joke. I just started almost to a thousand views. It's like 600 views. It's, and it's like, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? I made it as a dumb joke. Like I did it because I was bored one day and I thought it'd be funny. I remember that day you wrote me and you're like, hey, should I re-release the movie with all the match footage and edit it in a black and white format? I'm like, yeah. So originally it was just going to be the black and white format. And then I went back and I just put the full matches in because I just thought it would be funny. Then I messaged you and I'm like, I think it'd be funny if I just put an hour long Royal Rumble right in the middle of this movie. And you're like. Yeah, do it. <laughs> I did it. And that's a lot of people's favorite part of the whole movie. Oh, it's the best. It's the best. It's crazy, man. Yeah. Did ha, Have you watched the Mad Bash cut all the way through? The Wall Bash cut? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I called it Mad Bash cut, didn't I? Yeah. I always call it the Mad Bash cut. That's fine. Um, Yeah. So it was really funny because I, I was talking to Franchise about it and he's like, yeah, man, I watched the 
the Wabash cut, and I'm like, why? <laughs> like, no one is meant to. It was just a joke on the Snyder cut is all it was. And there are so many people that didn't even understand the Snyder cut reference. But I was like, man, the whole Snyder cut thing was like such a part of like the pop culture mythos of that time. It's like, how do you not know about the Snyder cut? It's probably because the Wabash cut came out years after the Snyder cut. So nobody was putting two and two together. They're like, let's just brush that. out. Yeah, it's the Wabash cut. Let's go. You know what I mean? But with that being said, you know what I think we should do now? What? Here a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by YooHoo, a product of Keurig, Dr. Pepper. So here's what I want you to picture right now, right? You're on a long road trip. You're driving along and you're thinking, man, I could really go for a nice, sweet, refreshing drink. You pull into a gas station and the first thing you see is YooHoo. And I got to tell you, Grabbing that YooHoo, that's going to be the right decision every single time. YooHoo is available in a variety of flavors vanilla, strawberry, but here at Mad Bash, our personal favorite is chocolate. I'm going to tell you about YooHoo a little bit more, right? We absolutely love this stuff here at Mad Bash. We cannot get enough of it. And you know what? We're going to sweeten the pot a little bit here thanks to YooHoo. If you see us at a wrestling show and you buy a Mad Bash Wrestling sticker, you are entitled to one free bottle of YooHoo on Mad Bash Studios. Limit one per customer while supplies last. Now, come on, guys. You can't beat that deal with a stick. Again, Mad Bash would like to thank YooHoo so much for sponsoring this episode. This episode of the Spot Show Podcast is also brought to you by Hybrid Championship Wrestling, or HCW, if that's what you prefer to call them. Listen, Hybrid is an independent professional wrestling company based out of Terre Haute, Indiana. They have talent from all over the United States and are putting on star-studded shows all year long. But... Here's the thing about hybrid. They are always looking for young new prospects and looking for new talent, sponsors, and business partners so that they can continue to bring you some of the best independent wrestling in the Midwest. If you want to go ahead, feel free to reach out to them on Facebook, Hybrid Championship Wrestling, on Twitter, at HCW underscore live, or on Instagram, at HCW Midwest. Thank you so much to Hybrid Championship Wrestling for sponsoring the Spot Show podcast. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, in Dickie Wabash. This is so weird. I hate this. Why do you hate it? I'm not it's doing just a bad weird. job at all. Again, no, you're doing a great... Am I making you proud? Yeah, you are. You're like, kudos. Like, you've, you've, you've clearly... You've... You've you've clearly been studying the product, for lack of a better term. Well, I mean, I'm here every day yeah. almost. <laughs> so here's my question. Uh, how often do you just look at these slabs that are on the wall behind the big boy seat? I get lost in those slabs yeah. at the time when you're on your little tangent. Yeah. So what what what's your favorite slab up here? My favorite one up here is the uh, first one over there, the Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, the second, yeah, the second appearance of Hobgoblin. I love the death of Captain America one, man. Let, I don't yeah. think we've ever... That was just a little plain for my liking. 
I mean, but that's such like a pivotal story, you know what I mean? But I mean, the Hobgoblin one, that iconic art style, man, you can't go yeah. wrong with that. Plus, and and Spider Man's hitting and Spider Man's hitting a dab on there. I wonder if that was intentional. Like when they came back from time from Fortnite. I don't know, man. That's a very good question. Speaking of questions, you ready to dive into part two? Let's go. When was the moment you thought, hey, let's do a sequel? Hmm. I know I pressured you. You did. Um, I honestly didn't want to. I really didn't want to. I kind of just wanted it to be its own thing. You know what I mean? And um, not to mention my plug for getting me there. He and I were not on speaking terms. It was a rough time period. So um, I hated that movie, to be well, honest. We with never you. even talked about Danville Dreamers 2 until like after the spot show took off. Yeah, that's when people are. I like, mean, it, it was always so. To, back to what you know, like I, I hated that movie when it was first coming out because of, you know, there was just a lot of hate in my heart at that time. So I was like really hi- hypercritical of it. So the idea of a sequel never crossed my mind. But then to bring it back around to what you're saying, I mean, I I think it was kind of always in the back of my mind. I think it and was the fans of the movie. Yeah, and. I think the moment that I saw that NVW was actually running shows, 2021, I think, is when they were. I was like, man, there's a story here. It's either 21 or 22. I don't remember. I was like, man, there's there's a story to be told here, I I think. And then... So that just gave you the little tickle in the it back It gave me brain. the little tickle because here's the thing. I always wanted to make another documentary. I did. I love documentaries. Documentaries are like my favorite form of entertainment. They just are. That's my preferred way to consume information. And I know that that makes me sound like a lazy American. Like I would just rather watch it as opposed to read it, which is not true. I love to read. Um, but there's just something simplistic about a documentary. I'd rather watch a documentary than anything cinema, really. Yeah, documentaries are my favorite genre. Um, and I knew that I had made the first one and it was a success. I wanted to make another one. And this is the first time we've talked about this. There was almost another documentary that had nothing to do with NVW. So for those of you that have heard the first page show, there was another company that we found that we wanted to go make a documentary about them. And then um, if you want to hear more about that, I mean, we talked about that on page show, but that all fell through and we couldn't do it. I was like, Fuck, it was a man. great thing that one. Fell it was through. a good thing. It fell through hundred percent. Hundred percent. And I don't know. I think that once V and I got back in contact, that was when I was like, there's a real 
way that this could happen. Can so. I pull back the curtain here a little bit? Yeah, go right ahead. I was the middleman for the whole getting back in contact with you. Oh, yeah, you were. Yeah, we, we mm-hmm. talked about that when he My was fucking on. first question to Brian was, hey, since you guys are somewhat talking now, can we do the second movie? And he just, I remember him being like, I don't see why not, I think is what his, uh, his, his whole point was. But um, I, I remember just making a teaser. Just making a teaser, like just for no reason. And it got a lot of people excited. And I was like, this might need to happen. And then that's when the Wabash cut happened. And then I was like, okay, there needs to be a sequel. There really needs to be a sequel. And it was so weird, like how all the stars aligned at like, oh. the right given time. Like I'm talking like within a month time. It was quick. Brian came back in our lives. We pinched up all that bullshit. Yeah. Started planning the second movie. The Wabash cut came out. Like, it was just boom. Right there for you to grab. Well, I mean, and it just, it was, you know, it was just everything that we've done has kind of seemed to fall into place in that way. So we're, we're kind of blessed in that way. Um, Let's keep up the streak, brother. Because it's like less work. You know what I mean? If, if, when it just, falls into place you know but going into the second movie yeah you haven't been around these guys most of them for years no literally have not seen them since i filmed the first one except for a handful of people that i I work shows with now yeah yeah but i mean like were you worried about like what they thought of the first movie yes you never talked to them about it or 100 no i never the only thing that i had ever um that that i remember i'm sure there was more but I just remember the first documentary coming out and franchise messaging me and being like, thank you so much for doing this. And me being like, hey, man, no problem at all. And then I remember it's either January or February. We were in Odin and uh, Cecil Cerveza was there and I was like. No, it was January because you got to think of it like this. And this is I'm going to go back. I did not know that Tyler Scott was Dallas kid. I did not know that Stetson Winters was a Stetson. I did not know that Mikhail Murphy was co-dog. I did not know that they were the Danville Dreamers, except for Mikhail. He wasn't in the first documentary. Um, he wasn't in the second one. I mean, he's featured in the second one, but he wasn't interviewed. So I did not know that that's who they were. I had no clue. And, um, I just remember I go to Cecil and I go, Hey, so you work with MVW, right? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, what's their thoughts on Danville dreamers? Are they hot at me? Do they actually really like it? And he's like, I don't know. We never talk about it. And I'm like, Oh, there's a dead end road. So then fast forward. We, uh, when I realized who was, who it was a hybrid, what it was at hybrid. Um, I look at Stetson and I go, Oh my God. I made a documentary about that guy when he was in the backyard and then Clayton Clark just lit up and goes, wait, what? And I was like, yeah. And then I send it. And then that, that's how that, that was the catalyst of Clayton and I become of uh, us becoming friends with Clayton. And um, then I go over and I talk to him and he didn't remember who I was at first. And I was like, Danville dreamers. And then he was like, oh my God. And then he like, he came around the corner and gave me a hug. And I'm like, so what's up? I mean, I was really it, it because again, I knew that they were running shows. But, and I mean this as no disrespect to NVW in any way. I mean, this is no disrespect to people that do what I'm about to describe. 
I just assumed that they only worked in VW. I didn't know that they were actually getting booked at places. You didn't know they went through like proper training no. and all that. And I had no clue. Indie careers had no clue. So I just I remember he's like, "Oh, I I loved the movie. I loved it. I absolutely loved it." And I'm like, "Dude, people loved you in it." And he was like, "Oh, that's so cool to hear." Which it's a bit of a bummer that uh, Stetson couldn't be in the second one, but it was just a scheduling conflict. Um, we did film with Stetson before the NVW show. Maybe we can do a little Stetson project for him to make up for it. We could. I mean, we can. Oh well, and teaser hint hint on uh, some things. But um, my understanding was. And I, I don't want to out anyone. Um, it's someone that still works with NVW to this day. My understanding was that they did not like it. Because they thought that I was there to make a mockery. And I've since talked to this person and everything seems to be cool. And um, that was in my, I think in my eyes, that was really the only kickback that I heard of. Well, the brother's question I had for the future, like, so this whole documentary, the first one was you never intended to make fun of the people. Honestly, I would be lying to you if I said that I did not go in there with comedy in mind. Was was I going to make fun of them? No. My philosophy with the first one was and it was the same with the second. Let's just turn on the camera. And see what happens. But at its core. Because I mean. And I've actually talked to franchise about this. I was like. I like I did a few things in that documentary that blatantly are funny. Like the fact that I ask Austin Justice the same question twice. And he gives me two different answers. Um, The fact that. I put franchise. He was trying to do that dive spot off of the back of the truck and he just kept fucking up. Like I didn't need to put that in there. I didn't need to put Daryl demon trying to kick the, the thing and he just falls back. I didn't need to, you know, that stuff. That was the comedy, but, but it wasn't like pre-planned comedy, nothing like that. It was just, you got this damn footage. It's too great. Not to share. Comedy was in the front of my mind, but it wasn't my goal. Because at the end of the day, I legitimately respected what they were doing. I thought it was fucking phenomenal what they were doing. There are certain aspects that I found funny. And I'm sure there are certain aspects that them looking back now, they would also find funny. Um, But it was never my intention. I never had any. And I even told them that we had a little pre-show meeting said, I have no malicious intents. I'm legitimately, I love what you guys are doing. I want to chronicle it because here's the, just the truth of it. These guys are in their, I don't know. The oldest is probably in their forties and their backyard wrestling. They're playing wrestler in their backyard. 100 out of 100 people would have given up on the dream, but they didn't. There's something to be admired about that. There really is. Like we've talked about this, like behind the curtains. Like yeah. Something that should be comical and aspect is really heartfelt and like 
warming to like know that these guys are dedicating everything they have and sacrificing so much just to live their dream. And that's what I'm saying is that a hundred out of a hundred people would have given up, but they didn't. They're a different breed. They're dreamers. They're the dreamers. Absolutely. And in a way, like colloquially, that's become a thing where these guys are now referred to as the dreamers. And um, it's not a bad moniker, though. No, it really isn't. And if half the guys in the indie scene had the heart and passion the dreamers do for oh. anything, like, wow. Yeah. You know, you look at franchise who just wanted to make it happen. In his mind, he really was the franchise of that place. And who he am is. I? And exactly who who am I to doubt him? Who am I to doubt him? You have Mr. Six, who was the authority figure. You had you had um, a Stetson, who was the dragon master. Again, who am I to tell him that he's not the fucking dragon master? You know, and so. So my whole view on comedy has always been don't force it. If something funny is going to happen during this, I might give a little Iggy and give the little nudge and let's steer into that direction. But nothing was set up in that movie. I just turned the camera on. And then if it came out funny, it came out funny. A little behind the scenes for you guys at home. Those questions Dickie asked. Off the top of his head. Yeah. Just goes with the flow. Yeah. I was just coming up with stuff as I was going. I was I, I would I pretty much gauged what I what the first couple of questions was going to be. And then I would play off of what they answered. Is pretty much what I would do. Just kept it going, man. Yeah. How was filming different the second time around? Oh, it was huge. Um the first time it was me, Jason V, a camera and a recorder. This time I had Michael Madrox, had Clayton Clark. Um, Jason V again. I, I had Jason V again. Um, I had a nicer camera. Um, I had more experience. Um, I actually went into this one with a little bit more of a plan than I did the first time because I had learned. Um, that's really it. It was just that that was the big difference. Is that it? It was the the first one was very gorilla because it was just like ha here we are with the camera. There Second was, one was more team, all hands on deck more type of it, shit. That's why I have no problem. Like I'll take the director credit all day of the every day of the week, but I got to look at my, you know, the producers. I considered the producers Clayton, you, Brian, you know, and you know Clayton filmed. Clayton held the camera. Yeah. You held the camera. Jason held the camera. I held the camera. We were all there whenever you needed us. Yeah, Drop of a dime. and I'm not trying to discredit Dalton Davis. Dalton Davis played his part too. You know, Dalton Davis is probably one of, he is, how did I describe it? I said, Dalton Davis is the MVP of Danville Dreamers too, because not only did he put on a really good match with DC Black and Tyler Scott, but he was also, he was essentially the 60 minute man in that fucking battle Royal. He was out like what? Three or four and then and he that's was in not there. even including the shit he was doing behind the scenes for everyone. Yeah. Agreed. You got to give Dalton his flowers on that Always. one. Always. Just this once, Dalton. Chicken nuggets. <laughs> oh, he is hot about that, by the way. If you guys don't, don't know what we're talking about, check out last week's page show. But, like, looking back now, like, we did the whole world premiere 
on YouTube, the live chat and everything. Yeah. Seeing those numbers jump from like 60 from the pre-release from the Patreon. Should not have been at 60. All the way up to the 270 we're setting at now. Like, Oh, is that where it's at now? I believe it's close Something to like it. that, yeah. yeah. The time of this recording. It's cool. That's cool, man. Now, if you could rank the films of your favorite to least favorite out of all three, which ones? I, I can't. You can't do that? Can't do it. You got to pick a favorite child. I mean, the first one, probably. But um, no, I can't say one's better than the other. I, I really say both can't. of them are better than the Wabash Cut. Well, I mean, the Wabash Cut, you can't even consider because it was a joke. Because it was a I joke. I still consider it, though, man. That's a film you should be proud of. I mean, it is. I mean, there is a... Um, there is a playlist on the YouTube channel that says the Danville Dreamers collection. So, um, but no, um, gun to my head. It's the first one. Um, but they're, they're all it, like, they're both just widely different movies. You, it's like, it's like night and day. You, you, it's like comparing apples to oranges. They're both fruits. But anyway, now that the cat's out of the bag and the Danville Dreamers series yeah. has been announced, are you going to stick strictly for NVW for these docu-series? The Danville or? Dreamers Chronicles? Yeah. Are um, you going to try to branch out to other companies as well? I don't know. I don't know. I think, so for those of you that don't know, uh, you I mean, it's it was publicly announced, but there is a post-credit scene in Danville Dreamers too, um, which there was a post-credit scene in the Wabash cut too that teased Danville Dreamers too. And I don't think many people caught it. Um but so we're going to be doing a series on the Patreon. This is the first time we've publicly really talked about it. Um we're, we're going to be came doing with the heat, brother. Yeah. We're um we're doing the Danville Dreamers Chronicles. Um it's probably just going to be NVW. I mean because if it's called Danville Dreamers it's got to be the dreamers. It has to. It has to be. I just didn't know because like we traveled to so many different companies. If like more docu series or documentaries would be, it's not out, of, out the of the realm of possibility. Never say never in wrestling. Pretty much is what I'm getting at. Um, who knows? Uh, the first one is coal miners glove and it's about franchise Chris halls. And it's about him. The day of the coal miners glove match. And it was funny because, Mr. Six told me, uh, <laughs> so, uh, Chris is getting a special documentary. When do we all get one? And I said, funny you ask that. So that'd be really cool to do. Just like a little docu-series on each of the original dreamers. That's kind of the goal. Yeah. That's kind of the goal. Now what's going to separate the series from the movies? I mean, they're, I mean, the big one is that they're not going to be feature length. I'm like 20, 25, 30 minutes. They're also only going to be exclusive to Patreon on the $10 tier. Um, and then maybe down the road, they'll be made public. Maybe like after you get like the whole series, like series, yeah. one, something like that. Something. I, I don't know. I do know that they're probably going to remake for a while. They're going to be exclusive to the Patreon. Um, they're going to be filmed in essentially the same format. Um, my takeaway from it, these are more like WWE 24 style documents. Kind of, yeah. Compared to like the Daniel Dreamers and stuff. That's a good, way, that's a good stuff. way to put it. That's a very good way to put it. Because yeah. I've already seen some of the footage. 
Yeah, I haven't even worked on it yet. Other than the dreamers and everything, is there any other type of documentaries you would absolutely love to stink your teeth in? Oh, I've got... I So... I love when I ask a good question because it leaves you speechless. You can't just rattle off the top of your head. <laughs> <laughs> I don't necessarily know if I want to talk about ideas that are half-baked. I don't know. Because, okay, so I'll talk about this one. I had an idea for a documentary um, that... The idea was, what if someone runs for local office, but they take it to the umpteenth degree? Like, they're running for fucking comptroller or whatever, or like something like a town council or something, but they're treating it like they're running for the goddamn presidency. And... Um, I got no problem running for town corner if you want to set this up. It, so, yeah, the it was going to be because I'm also very heavily influenced by like uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, his work. So it was going to be like half scripted, half mockumentary, like just fucking with people like. I was just going to do it and it was going to be called uh, Josh Thomas, man of the people. And the idea is that I'm running for the people. Like uh, I'm not affiliated with any political party. I'm just running for the people. And then I had just like different uh, hidden camera things in mind where like one of them, I was going to like, if there was going to be a debate, like just get up there and just speak in buzzwords, like, and just say buzzwords like um, taxation, abortion rights, you know just like just little sound bites like just like like topics of like gun control like just say like different different things like amendments like just random not full sentences at all no just like random things that like you would just hear like buzzwords and there was another bit that i had written that i don't necessarily know if i feel comfortable talking about it because it was it was pretty racy but um it was an it it would have been really funny because again, like Sasha Baron Cohen is just so absurd with the stuff that he does that I was thinking of like, what are some absurd things that I can do? I get it. Yeah. That'd be something different. Another question that I uh, asked around to some fans. Really? Yeah. You reached buddy. out to people? I reached out to some listeners of the podcast, sir. Oh. And I got a couple questions back because, you know, I waited till the last minute to think to invite the fans. Of course. Um, what do you feel people should take away from the movies the most? Who asked this question? You got to give them their props. I didn't give them credit, bro. I just wrote down the question on my little oh, notes here. Come on, man. You always got to give them props. Yeah. Can you ask it again? What do you feel people should take away the most from these movies? That's not for me to answer. Um, art, not to say that what I made was art. But stuff like that's subjective. And I've always found it very pretentious. Like you don't you don't necessarily go to an artist and say, what would you like for me to take away from this? 
whatever you want to take away from it. I know what I take away from it. And I'm not going to tell you what you should because that's the we talked about it with V. That's the thing is that art is subjective and um you can't opinionate someone's thoughts. You can go ahead and t- whatever you here's here's the answer. Whatever you want to take away from it. Do you want to think that it's funny? Yeah, it's very fucking funny. Do you want to think that it's a heartwarming story? Yeah, it's a really a heartwarming story. Take away whatever you want to take away from it, really. I mean, if, if that's a cop-out answer, then I'm really sorry, but it's just the truth. Looking back at both movies, what's your absolute favorite scene? Oh, man, Joker 13 getting punched in the face is never not going to make me laugh. So here's the story on that. I was not expecting that. That was not, again, nothing was planned. I was legitimately setting Joker 13 up with the stick to be like, here's my guy, blah, blah, blah. Like, do your best promo. Do your best stick work. And I was like, go ahead and talk your guy up, you know? And then she, we'll see how she talks me up. Boom. And I asked Joker about that. I was like, did you guys plan that? And he was like, no. I was like, come on, dude. I said, did you? I said, I have a feeling that at some point you said to her, at some point, I want you to punch me in the face. And he was like, nope. Because my original thing that I thought was going to happen when he pointed to his cheek was that she was going to give him a little peck on the cheek. And that is not what happened. Oh, no. It looked like she was saving that punch for a week. He did something and wrong. Boy, does it sound a lot more vicious because she hit the recorder. As she was, you know, coming down on it and it sounded a lot more brutal. Um, Now, one of my favorite subtle things about the first one is. um, (laughs) So I'm talking about how I am trying to, you know, I was like, I'm trying to track down Big Bubba J. But if you look when I'm interviewing Outcast, which is way before I actually interview Big Bubba J. You can just see Big Bubba J chilling in his van. <laughs> like he's there. He's in the background. And then one of my favorite subtle things from um, the second movie is when I was filming future Joseph Williams giving the little seminar outside. You can hear people talking in the background and you can hear uh, Clydesdale go, shut up. <laughs> it's really funny. Oh, we could talk about that whole scene for a couple hours, man. Um Final question, man. Can you believe we made it? No. Can you believe I did this good of a job? I had faith. I did too. I had faith. By the way, we've not made it. We've never made it. I I don't think that you can ever really take a look at something and say, "Yeah, I've made it." No, I mean we made it to the end of the podcast. Oh, I thought you meant. In the, I thought we were going to. No, we made it to philosophical, the list, brother. No, I we. You were going to get all <laughs> philosophical. On I know me. you listen to a spot show. We don't go that deep around here. <laughs> not at all. Are you going to host paid show as well? You want me to host paid show? I mean, probably. Yeah, I'll do it. We'll figure that out. I got you. Yeah, but no, I I had faith in you. I had faith in you. All right, man. I knew that you could do it. Like, I knew that whenever you you want to turn it on and be professional, you you can do it. Little back scenes behind the page stuff right now. Before we started recording, we were having a little deep little conversation. Yeah. And this question is not the question that we were talking about. 
But I got to know, dude, this kind of ties in. Are you proud of yourself for these movies? <sighs> I, I mean, yes. Um, that that's, that's, that's douchey, but in more ways, I'm proud of, I'm proud of the Halses. I'm proud of NVW. I'm proud of everyone that was involved with this that helped make this happen. Um, of course I'm proud of, of, of myself for making it happen. Um, but I mean, in, in more ways than one, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of like, I'm proud of every aspect of it. Like not, not just myself, you know, but the short answer is yes. But I mean, the drawn out answer is that I'm just proud of everyone. You can't be proud of yourself without thinking everyone involved. Yeah. And that's the thing is I'm not stupid. I couldn't have done this without everyone. You know, I couldn't have done this without NVW. I couldn't have done this without V. I couldn't have done this without Clydesdale, without, without uh, Parker, without, you know, uh, Colby, without Silva, uh, you know, all of our Mad Bash boys, Poke, Jared, um, you know, I'm forgetting Oliver. Oliver Kane, Shank Barzini, like all these guys, Stephen Mitchell, Jeremy Griever, Austin Ryan, Lindsay, uh, you know, the everyone at hybrid, everyone at EPW, uh, Brian Parker, JC Carnage, everyone that I've interacted with at any point in this journey. I'm proud of all of them. I'm proud of all of them because we've we've all met our own level of success. You know what I mean? That was a lot better answer than I thought you would say. It's not, and I'm not like, I'm not I was being, expecting Hollywood Nikki to pop out the sweater vest right there and maybe be like, how can I not be proud of myself? I am Nikki fucking Wabash. I mean, brother, if you want to go down that road, but no. I mean, we can, we still got like 30 seconds before I say I'm over this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, Dickie Wabash, thank you for coming out on the studio today and joining yeah. me. Yeah. I'm glad I came to my house. Yeah. Yeah. It's really different seeing you walk through that door. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we 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 actually traded places for twenty four hours to really give the effect. Oh yeah, I'm in a cardigan right now. Yeah, it's real spiffy, <laughs> dude. I want to get you in a cardigan. Oh, I don't. January, we should do it. Dress up like each other. Oh god, that should have been Halloween. Halloween could be every day for me. That's fair. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to the Spot Show. We're going to go record Paid Show. Be sure to check us out on Patreon if you want to hear that. Uh, Dickie, where can they find you at? Uh, Instagram, at attaboydickie. That's pretty much it. And as for the one-legged wonder, Michael Madrox, you can find me at www.madbashstudios.com. Yeah, baby. (laughs) 